0: What's up, Summit Park? How you guys doing? Good, good, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now, look him in the eye. Go on, everybody participate. Look him in the eye and say, you're looking so good today. Say it. Now turn to the other person and say, why didn't you turn to me first? <laughs> What's up with that, huh? <laughs> hey, we are so glad that you are with us here at Summit Park. I want to take a moment and welcome all those that are watching online and all those at the South Side. What's up, South Side? Let's put our hands together and welcome all those that are watching. So glad you're with us. Well, like mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about hope. And I'm really encouraged by this thought, this passage that I want to share with you. And uh, if you're going through something challenging right now, if you're going through maybe something that's discouraging, I just want you to know that, that God wants to give us hope. God wants to give you hope, specifically today. He wants to help you in your circumstance. And God wants to do a miracle in your life. Because here's the reality— God did miracles back when Jesus walked the earth. God did miracles in the past. But here's the truth. God does miracles today. Do you believe that? He does them today. Like God wants to work in your heart and your life and give you hope right where you are in your situation and your circumstance. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we jump in, I want to mention something. So this past Wednesday, we had our first Wednesday service, which If you've not gone to a First Wednesday service, you need to. Man, it's a midweek boost. It's so encouraging and uh, just an opportunity for us to pray for the things coming up and uh, powerful worship. It's really, really awesome. So the whole family came, and we've got two kids, and our son, Mac, was in the elementary area, and uh, we went to go get him, my wife and I, and we got him, and he came out with this, uh, this box, and this box said, I gave my life to Jesus, and I'm thinking... You're a pastor's kid. Like, you've already given your life. You've been baptized, son. You've been, like, come on. And my wife is like, oh, Mac, that's so that's so awesome. That's so cool. And uh, so, so anyway, he, he's he got this box. And then um, Becca asked him, I was like, okay, so you got this, this box there? And uh, he's like, yeah, I'm thinking about doing it every week. And I was like, and she's like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, I get off track a lot. <laughs> so... <laughs> I was like, man, you've done this so many times, but we discover what's in the box, candy, okay, so candy is in the box, so he's a sinner during the week, and then he's a saint on Sunday, so that's kind of how it works out, but anyway, I thought that was really cute, but I say this because on on Wednesday, I was really inspired to grab some of those invite cards to Tailgate Weekend, and uh, after the service, I went around, I was grabbing them up off the uh, the seats, and so... um, so anyway, we, I, I took Mac. We were kind of having a bro's day, and we, uh, we went to Chipotle, and it's his favorite place. And so we went there, got some food, and we invited the cashier to come to Tailgate Weekend. The guy was like, oh, thank you so much. Real easy, simple, invited him. And, buy and uh, we got the food, and then I look over across the street, and there's Andy's frozen custard. And I said, the workers at Andy's frozen custard need the Lord. So, so we went over there, and we invited that, uh, uh, some workers there at the Andes, and uh, it was really cool. He was like, yeah, thank you so much. Y'all have to check this out. If I'm not working, I'll come. And I was like, man, that was really, really cool. And then I was still hungry, and so I look over, and there's five guys. And I was like, Mac, the Lord is at five guys. So we did. We went over to five guys, and uh, have you ever had, like, somebody pay for your meal Um, in front of you while you're in the drive-thru. Let me see your hand. You've ever had someone do that? It's really, really cool. That actually happened to us uh, a couple weeks ago. And so I was like, well, what if I did that standing in line here, and then I could invite the person to tailgate weekend? So there was this guy that, just a guy by himself, showed up. He was in line, and I was getting my food, and I was like, bro, um, why don't you go ahead and, and order something, and I'll pay for your meal. And he's like, what? Are you serious? And I was like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And so I, I bought his meal, and then I invited him to Tailgate Weekend. And man, can not just tell you, it was the coolest experience in the world. Like, it was like, man, this is really, really awesome. Started up a great conversation. He thanked me afterwards, like after we got our food, and asked me again, hey, what, what's your name? Okay, yeah, I'll check it out. And so I just, I say that because I want to encourage you that it's not that hard to go just simply invite some people to Tailgate Weekend. But how many know that we're literally giving people the hope of the world when we give them Jesus. And that's what this Tailgate Weekend is all about. It's just something practical that you can invite somebody to, and then it's gonna give them the ultimate hope. So I encourage you this week, to be praying about, thinking about who you could invite, and you could also get some great food while you do it. It'll be awesome. Well, we are speaking about hope today. I wanna share this verse with you. It's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. This is what it says. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering To the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Notice there's a connection between hope and that God can be trusted to keep his promise. When we trust God to keep his promise, then we can know that we've got hope. There's a connection there. And here's the reality God has made some pretty incredible promises. Promises to provide, promises to deliver, promises to save promises to heal. He's given us some great promises, and you and I can take hold of those, and it fuels our hope. And how many know that hope is powerful anytime? Like, life can be challenging. Life can be tough, but it's really powerful whenever you're going through something discouraging. There's something challenging that happens, something bad that took place. This happened, uh, I think, a couple years ago, and it's something small and kind of silly, but I thought I'd share with you. It's a disappointing situation, I went to check out an um, a, a ice cream place here in the area. I won't say the name of it, but they were doing samples, and I wanted to get a, a sample of some ice cream because I, I wanted an ice cream cone. And So I, I, I went, and I said, hey, can I have a sample of this? And, and she gave it to me, and uh, I, I, I took a bite of it, and I felt something. And I, started, I I grabbed it, and I pulled it, and it was this long black hair, and it just kept going. It just kept going. It was, like, on the end of the spoon, but I, like, pulled it through my mouth. So whatever was on the hair was now in my mouth. It was so long that I had to turn away from the worker because I felt, like, embarrassed. Like, oh, my gosh, she's going to be embarrassed by this, and I'm embarrassed by this. She knows it's not my hair. I mean, obviously, it's not my hair. So I'm pulling this thing out. But have you ever had that happen before? You ever had, like, a hair in your food? I'm just curious by a survey, because there's different types of people that respond to this thing in different ways. So I'll give you three options. Okay, you can do by a show of hands. Uh, how many in here, you're like, hey, it's okay. I just won't eat that section of the food. I'll just go ahead and eat it. I'm not going to say anything. You're, you're that person. You're not going to say anything. I'll just go ahead. It's fine. I'm probably more that person. I'm just like, whatever. Okay, how many are the people like, hey, I'll be kind about it, but you're going to replace the meal. Like, you're going to, yeah, you're going to have to do that. Okay, how many people in here, it's like, hey, everybody at my table is getting a free meal, and we're getting dessert. How many are those people? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So it was a little disappointing, but I I didn't, I mean, I got an ice cream cone, and it still tasted good uh, to some degree. But we're going to look at a story today of a guy in the Bible who experienced something really disappointing, really, really challenging. And um, it's it's a story of God doing a miracle in his life and gave him the hope that he was looking for for a long, long time. And so um, we're going to be encouraged by it. We're going to turn to John chapter 5. So you can turn there on your phones, on your physical Bibles, or we're going to have it up on the screen. And uh, John chapter 5, if you're ready, say, I am. am. Okay, here we go. John chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 1. This is what it says. Afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, laid on the porches. One of the men laying there had been sick for 38 days. You no, know, months. You no, know, years. It's actually years. So the, you read it in your Bible, it says years. Now let's just pause for a second there. Like, that's a long time to be sick. Right, that's a long. I haven't even been alive 38 years. A lot of people in that day didn't live past 38 years old, so this guy was probably you know lame from couldn't walk from when he was born or a young child. Some kind of accident happened, but 38 years, man, that's a long, long time to be in that condition. But this is what he continues to say. He says, so uh, verse six, when Jesus saw him and knew. So when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Verse 7, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Now, there was this belief that there was an angel would come down to the pool and would stir up the pool and it would manifest as bubbles. And then whoever got in first would get healed. OK, so that was the belief that this pool had this healing power. And so then this guy continues someone else always gets in ahead of me. Jesus told him, "Stand up, pick up your mat and walk." Instantly, the man was healed and he rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Man, that would be a good day right there. After 38 years, like that morning he woke up, he checked his retirement account, you know, he's he's getting coffee, you know, he's doing that. And then, oh, by the way, he also got healed after 38 years. I mean, that would be a good day, right? Then I mean, that'd be a really, really good day. So, this is a story that we're going to look at. It's a story of hope. I'm going to give you the four points up here at the beginning, and then we're going to go down through it and unpack it. I believe it's going to encourage us. So, here are, the, here are the four points number one, there's hope in the knowing, number two, there's hope outside the pool. Number three, there's hope hope in Jesus. And number four, there's hope in the real miracle. There's hope in the real miracle. All right, turn to your neighbor right now and say, hey, it's time to hope again. Come on, turn to him. It's time to hope again. All right, here we go. Point number one, there's hope in the knowing. This is what it says in verse verse 6. I think this is so powerful. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time. Time. Now, here's the reality. This guy was not wearing a t-shirt that said, hey, I've been sick for 38 years. You know, it didn't, he didn't have a sign next to him. Hey, I've been sick for this, this long. Jesus actually knew. And, it, and that Greek word, gnos, there is actually like a deep kind of knowing. It's to be aware of, to feel, to have knowledge. It's to perceive, to be sure. It's to understand it's like Jesus walked up to this guy and like immediately he was able to see his life and know every part of his situation and his circumstance. That's what Jesus did. You know, the disciples looked at this situation and they just saw another person, but not Jesus. Jesus knew exactly what was going on. He knew exactly what was happening in his life. We, um, our, our kids, they started this new game in our, our neighborhood where we play hide and seek on our bike so we got this trail around our neighborhood it's not a big neighborhood but um, we got this trail around it and um, we play hide and seek and my son mac he particularly likes it and so we were playing the other day and it was just mac and then becca and i and becca and i were running from mac mac was it trying to find us and so we we go around and um we're, we're what i like to do is i like to kind of find him and get behind him and then he can like never find us and so i just keep moving around and around um, until he starts crying, and then I, like, I stop. The compassion part of me <laughs> kicks in. It probably should kick in a little bit before that. But so, so anyway, we, we, we go, we, we find him or whatever. And um, what's funny is, and I thought this was just perfect, because this speaks to our situation, how we interact with God. And that is, if Mac knew that I knew where he was, that I didn't just leave and go and be gone forever, like, he knew that I knew where he was, he would probably have some more peace. Like, he wouldn't get so upset. He wouldn't be upset about the situation. He'd still. He'd actually probably enjoy the game a little bit more. The, I knew, hey, I'm in the neighborhood still. You don't need, need to worry. And I think sometimes for us, whenever we're faced with challenging, difficult situations, we can start to say that with God, right? So it's like, God, where, where are you? Like, do you even, I mean, like, God, you know, like, you're God. You know everything. But do you know about my situation? Like, do you know about my circumstances? Do you know about my struggles? Do you know about my difficulties? And, you know, for this guy, he didn't know he was talking to Jesus, but Jesus knew everything about his circumstances. In fact, he even knew how long he had been there. He knew about his challenges and his struggles and his difficulty. And then when you know that God knows in that kind of way, all of a sudden hope starts to rise up. Now you start to know, okay, you know what? God knows. God knows. Maybe you've heard somebody say that before. we are talking about something that's difficult and challenging. It's like, you know what? God knows. There's hope in that. And when you repeat that to yourself, you're like, man, there is hope in that. That God does know about my situation. And so this is actually a theme throughout the Bible that God knows about our situation. He's, he's present with our situation. It's a deep knowing of our individual circumstances. I mean, it's kind of a crazy thought to think how many people are in the world or how many people have been born in the world, and yet God knows every single detail of our lives. Man, that's powerful, but God does, and he cares about it. So I want to give you some, some verses from Scripture that will give you the ammo that you need to fight those thoughts and moments when you're discouraged and you think that God doesn't know about your situation. So let me give you this. In Matthew chapter six, verse seven and eight, this is Jesus actually talking about prayer, and this is what it says, "When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows." exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Man, isn't that powerful? Like, you think about that, man. Like, God knows, even before you go to him with your request, he knows about your financial situation. He knows about your, the challenge in your marriage. You know what? Maybe nobody in this room knows, but God knows. He knows about your circumstances. He knows about your challenge with alcohol. He knows about it. He knows your struggle, and he cares about you, and he wants to help you, And he wants to work in your your life. God knows. It doesn't mean that we don't pray. It doesn't mean that we don't go to him and and say, God, I need your help. But it's really reassuring to know that God already knows before I even ask him. This is what Isaiah 41.10 says. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Man, God is with you. God is right next to you. God knows about your situation. He is present with you and he's got the victory and he wants to help you in your life. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that God doesn't know about your circumstance or doesn't care. That is a lie. God knows about it. He's with you and he wants to help you. I read this from, from Psalm 139. It says this, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the forest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Listen, you can't even get away from God. <laughs> you, you can't get away from him. He knows he's going to chase you down. Even when you run away from him, he wants to be with you and he cares about your situation. That's why I love this. This was my favorite chapter in all of the Bible, Romans chapter. Eight, and I think this just puts an exclamation point on the fact that God is with us. It's Romans chapter eight, it says this, and I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Come on, isn't that encouraging? (laughs) Here's the reality. Jesus knew about this guy's situation. He knew, and Jesus knows about your situation. He knows about your circumstance, and he wants to help you. He wants to give you hope. All right, the second one. There's hope outside the pool. There's hope outside the pool. Now, Jesus asked this guy just one question, and it's kind of an interesting question. I just think it's like, man, this is really interesting. This is the question that he asked him. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Now, remember, he's asking a guy that has been sick for 38 years, do you want to get well? That's like asking me, do you want to grow hair on the top of your head? (laughs) Yes. Yes. I do, but I can't. (laughs) Yes, I absolutely want to do that. Do you want cream in your coffee? Yes, I want that. Do I want the Chiefs to go back to the Super Bowl and play Tommy in the Super Bowl and actually beat him this time? Yes, I do. I do want that, okay? Yes, I want that. So this guy is asked this question, and it's like, well, why would you you ask that question? So let's look at how this guy responds to the question. Maybe that will give us a clue, all right? So this is what... The guy says, he says, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water bubbles up, someone else always gets in there ahead of me. Here's why I think that Jesus asked that question. I think he's revealing where this guy's hope is, that this guy's hope is actually misplaced. It's actually in the wrong thing. His hope is in the pool, and it's been in the pool for a long time. He's been trying to get into the pool, but now he's discouraged, and he's hopeless, and he says, like, this is impossible, and Jesus is asking the question almost like, hey, do you, do you want to get well? He's asking it more like that, like, you've been trying this, but this doesn't work, and I think that's a beautiful picture and a reality that all of us face a lot of times in our life, that we have some kind of issue that we're up against, some kind of discouraging situation, some kind of challenge in our life, and there's two options. We can turn to the thing that we usually turn to, the pool of Bethesda, that doesn't give us hope, or we can turn to Jesus. And Jesus is trying to communicate to this guy, listen, your hope has been in this, but do you really want to get well? Like, if you, if you want to get well, then you can't turn to that anymore. Maybe for, for you, it's, it's finances. You just look to money. Money is the thing that gives you that security and that, that hope that you're looking for. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's some, somebody in your life that you just look to that person rather than looking to the Lord. Maybe it's, it's something, something else in, in your life that you just continue to go back to that, that thing. Maybe it's an addiction. It's alcohol or drugs or something that you're continuing to look to, to that because you're trying to overcome your discouragement. But, but Jesus is saying, no, 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 look to me. Like, I'm the one. Don't go to the pool of Bethesda. That's what he's trying to communicate to this guy. I remember um, several years ago, uh, Becca and I were in a a situation that was like kind of crazy and um, for our finances. And it was it just kind of came on all of a sudden. And we were like, what in the world are we going to do? Like we this is we're in a pickle right now. This is if anything could have gone wrong. It went wrong you ever been in one of those situations to where just like man if anything could have gone wrong it went wrong and this is this is not a good situation and for me like my personality is like I like to figure the numbers I get out the spreadsheet you know anybody in here like Excel or Google Sheets oh you're like a nerd like that yeah I just can do everything on that that's just so much fun so all three of us cool that's awesome <laughs> So I but I like that stuff. I, I, I get into it. And I plan it out. I think it through and I, I come up with a great plan. I'm like because I usually I kind of have this uh, and this is where my worry side comes in. But like I could see problems before they happen. And I try to solve them. But it only could be it could become a bad thing is when there's not actually problems. You know, it's like, well, I'm trying to solve problems that aren't going to be problems. And, you know, I'm focused on all that stuff. So you start to worry about things that aren't aren't really things to be worried about. So they could be kind of overactive. And so, you know, but that can be the thing that I go to. I start worrying, I think, okay, I'm gonna plan, I'm gonna think about. And so obviously, this situation, I was like, okay, well, I gotta really plan. I gotta really think through. I gotta really, you know, think through all these different scenarios. And and God was like, no, you need to trust me. That's your pool of Bethesda. That's the thing you're trying to go to, but ultimately that won't help you. And not that planning is bad. Not that a calculator isn't good. Not that a budget isn't good. All that stuff's good. All that planning. But honestly, this circumstance was so bad that it was like, I don't even think I can get the, I can't get the numbers to work. Like, this is not going to work. So you know what? Beck and I just went to the Lord. We just said, okay, we're going to turn to Jesus. And I can tell you today, we didn't miss a beat. Like, it was like God came through in a miraculous way. I wish I could share just all the details. We don't have time for it. But like, man, God came through in a huge, huge way. For us, I'm so thankful for that. And then in that moment, I learned, man, don't turn to the pool of Bethesda. That's not where the hope is. And maybe for you, you've gone to the thing again and again and again and again, and you know actually that there's no hope. In fact, for this guy, he knew that there was no hope. He says, I can't, like I can't even get into the pool. So he knows it's hopeless, yet he stays by the pool. Isn't that human nature? Like, it's so funny. We keep going back to the thing that we know that's not going to give us hope. But yet, for some reason, we're still kind of hoping a little bit that it will. But we know it won't. And Jesus is standing right there and saying, you still going to look to that? Do you really want to get well? And that's when it leads to the next point, the third one here. There's hope in Jesus. There's hope in Jesus. Now, this guy didn't realize that he was talking to God. You know, he didn't realize he was talking to the Savior of the world right in front of him. And so he he looked at his situation and just seemed impossible. And I just want to remind you that God loves doing the impossible. He loves taking a situation, a circumstance and totally turning it around. Like he he likes to take the impossible situation of our, our sin-filled world, we're all sinners, and like, what are we going to do? We're gonna, we only can sin. There's no hope for us. He loves taking that and saying, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to send my only son into the world. He's going to live a perfect life. He's actually going to die for your sins. If you'll just trust him, you'll be redeemed. So what you couldn't do on your own, I'm going to do through my son. I'm going to do something impossible. Yeah, exactly. He loves to do that, right? He loves to do that, and he not only loves to do that as a whole, like for the whole world, but he likes to do that for us as individuals. And so he gives, he gives this guy hope. And so I, I want to read to you uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 27. It says this, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. For you, for me, for them, it's impossible. I get out the math. I try to use my brain. I go to somebody else. I think of this clever, you know, all that stuff, humanly speaking, it's impossible. But look what it says. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. Man, isn't that encouraging? Everything is possible with God. In fact, let's all say that together. Those five words. Everything is possible with God. Come on, one more time with strength. Everything is possible with God. It's true. you got to remember that. When you're going through something discouraging and challenging, something impossible, you have to, I mean, this is a verse that I would encourage you to get memorized, put on your your mirror, that everything is possible with him. You can do it with God if he's with you, if you just simply turn to him. Like you can't fix your marriage, but God can fix your marriage. You can't come up with the money, but God can come up with the money. You can't step out and do that dream on your own, but God can help you do that dream. You know, you can't get your teen's heart back, but God can turn your teen's heart around. You can't get that job, but God can help you get that job. You can't resolve that conflict, but God can resolve that conflict. It's the faith to believe that the person standing in front of you is the one that's actually able to give you the hope and give you the help that you need. Nothing is impossible for God, and that's what this guy needed to do. He needed to turn away from the Pool of Bethesda and simply turn to Jesus. Now, it's really interesting what what Jesus does um, for him here. He, he heals him completely. And um, w- what's interesting is this guy had a mindset of like, I can't do anything. Like, I can't do anything myself. Because here's the reality. Sometimes God will, he, he will ask you to do something as well. Now, in this situation, God just totally heals this guy. But God will ask us to do something. So the first thing that we've got to do is simply trust in Jesus. But then he says, okay, now I want you to take steps of faith. Now, I want you to step out. Okay, I want you to go back to school. Okay, now you've got to believe that. Trust Jesus, I need you to help me because I got all these bills I got to pay and you want me to go back to school. So the next step would be to apply, <laughs> you know, to go to school. You know, you've got to take those steps of faith. That's what's so important. And this guy kept saying, I can't. He kept saying, No, I'm not going to be able to do that. I can't. This is an impossible situation. There's nothing I can do. The reality is, after you've turned to God, there are some things that you Can do. You could take steps of faith. And maybe for your miracle, that's what you need to do. That you trust in Jesus, you put it before Him, but now you're taking steps of faith to continue to stay in keeping with your trust in the Lord. Let me ask you this can you pray? Can you believe? Can you ask for help? Can you change your thought patterns? Can you change your inner voice? Can you believe the best? Can you change your habits? Can you put God first in your finances? Can you silence your fears and amplify your faith? Those are all things that we can do on our end, that we give it to God, we trust in him for the miracle, and we have hope, now we take steps of faith, and that's what this guy needed to do. But Jesus does something pretty amazing for him because he's gracious and good and wants to teach him a lesson. When he says, I can't, this is what Jesus does. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his mat, sleeping mat, and began walking. This guy learned that his problem was no match for the power of God. The reality is, and for any of us, we've got to go through a test before we have a testimony, that we've got to have a problem before God can fulfill his promise, that there's got to be some kind of challenge or issue before God can give us hope. And, And Jesus right here is like, here, I'm going to show you something. I'm going to do a miracle in Your life. And so he experiences a miracle. That's what God does. That's what Jesus does. So it leads to this fourth point here there's hope in the real miracle. There's hope in the real miracle. There's something that really is interesting that happens that you don't see in other miracles or not very many of them, that there's an afterwards conversation. The miracle happens and then there's like a continuation of the story later on. So this is what it says in verse 14. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, "See, you are well, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you." Jesus like he lays it on thick. He's really clear about what he says there. You know, what's interesting is that Jesus had healed this man on the outside, but this man still needed healing on the inside. You know, I think that can happen to so many of us to where God gives us the job, but then we go back to the addiction. He comes through and He heals our our marriage, but over time we stop prioritizing God and we kind of go back to our old ways. He works in our our body, He heals our body, but we go back to our our old life. I think we have to be really careful that whenever God works in our life, He does a miracle in our life, we can't forget what He's done, that we have to remember and that ultimately, What we may be hoping for is different from what God is hoping for. Like we want the miracle on the outside, God heal my body, God do this thing in my finances, and God wants that for us because he's a good father. But ultimately what God is wanting for us is he wants our soul. Like he wants healing on the inside. He wants us to be with him forever. You know, Jesus healed a body that would ultimately die anyway for this guy. Like he's going to walk and maybe he's going to live another 20 years, but he's ultimately going to die anyway. Now, God again, God's grace and goodness, and that's what he does for us today. He does miracles. He works in our lives. But what God really wants is he wants your heart. That's what God is hoping for. So what we give him back is we say, okay, now I'm going to make you a priority. And what this guy did, he made the mistake that he experienced the miracle on the outside, but he didn't experience the miracle on the inside. So the real miracle For any of us, is ultimately that we're following Jesus, that He's Lord of our life, that we're walking with Him and we've trusted in Him. And if you've experienced that, man, you've experienced the ultimate miracle. Your body might be falling apart, you might be losing your hair, okay? Crazy stuff might be happening on the outside, but don't forget that you've experienced the real miracle on the inside. That Jesus has saved your soul. If you've trusted in Him, He's forgiven you of your sins. You are redeemed. You're a child of God. You're going to heaven. Man, isn't that the real miracle? That's the real miracle. And this guy missed it, but we don't have to. We can recognize and know yeah, the real miracle has happened in my life. Yeah, I'm gonna continue to pray, I'm gonna continue to believe. For the outside miracle, I'm going to continue to believe for my family, my marriage, my finances, my body, all, the, all those things. And God is so gracious and good. He wants to work in your situation. He can do the impossible. What's impossible for you, God can do it. But make sure you've got the real miracle. Make sure that when God does the miracle, you thank him by saying, okay, I'm going to follow follow you. Or even if he doesn't, why not experience the real miracle? Because that's going to what's going to last for all of eternity. I want to take a moment. I want to pray together. Would everyone bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to take a moment to pray for two groups. One, I want to pray for those that that you're going through something challenging right now, something discouraging, something's difficult in your life, and and you need God's encouragement. You need hope, and you want to hope again. Maybe for you it's been a long time. Maybe you've gone through something for quite a while, something in your body, something in your marriage, something in your finances, something uh, with your kids. It could be a long time you need to be able to have the power to hope again and God wants to give you that ability to hope again. I'm here to tell you nothing is impossible for God. If you'll look to him and trust in him, he'll give you hope. And so I just want to take a moment I want to pray for you. So if that's you, don't be afraid. Just lift up your hand with no one looking around and I want to I want to just take a moment to pray for you. Yeah, that's awesome. Come on, slip it up. God's going to see your hand. He's going to help you with your situation. He's going to help you. Yeah, that's awesome. Lots of hands. God, you see all these hands. And, Lord, we know that you know every detail of the situation. You know why they're raising their hand. You know how difficult it is for them. But we know that it's not difficult for you. And so, Lord, we just place it in your hands, knowing that in the same way that you healed this guy, Lord, that you can heal this situation for each one of those that are raising their hand. God, that you would be in their life and work in them. And, God, give them hope along the journey. Give them peace along the journey to know that you're working and you're helping them. And So, God, we just give it to you. We thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name. Before we go, I want to talk to one more group. So everyone's head bowed and eyes closed. I just want to give an opportunity for, for those that haven't experienced that, that second miracle, that real miracle, the miracle on the inside, that Jesus becomes Lord of your life. Today, you've got to know this, that God loves you and he cares about you. The challenge is all of us have sinned. All of us have done wrong. And there's a, there's a penalty for that. But that's why Jesus came. He came to die on the cross to pay for your sins so you don't have to and so that you can have a relationship with a real God that cares about you and loves you. And I don't think it's by accident that you're here today. And you can experience that miracle on the inside if you'll simply reach out and trust him. If that's you in this place, before we close, would you just lift up your hand? I wanna pray for you. No one looking around. Yeah, that's awesome. Over here and over here. That's cool. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Lord, I just pray for all those that raise their hand. God, that you give them courage and strength to trust in you. Lord, that you would transform their heart and life, that you would do the miracle, the ultimate miracle of saving their soul. We love you, Lord. Would all of us, let's all pray this. Would you repeat after me, everybody in the room? Dear Jesus, I thank you for your goodness. I recognize that I've sinned and I've done wrong, but I thank you for Jesus. For him dying on the cross and rising from the dead. So today, I put my trust, my hope, my life in Jesus' hands. I commit to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church, put your hands together. Let's thank the Lord for all those committed their life to Jesus. That's awesome. Church, would you stand with me? I want to take a moment. We're going to close in worship here. And I want us just to thank the Lord that he gives us hope. No matter what situation we face, we can know we can trust in him. He's the God who gives us hope. Let's worship together.